Welcome, everybody, to the new episode of the Truth and Reality Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Roman, reporting middle of nowhere. And since last week, we have seen a new team enter the NBA championship. I know game one has already started, but ladies and gentlemen, congrats is in order for the Bucks. The Bucks haven't been to the NBA championship since 1973-1974 NBA season, where they lost to the uh, Boston Celtics in seven games. The Bucks were able to beat the Hawks with the Greek Freak down and against an injured Trey Young. And I, some would even say, ladies and gentlemen, that the Bucks looked better without the Greek freak. The ball was moving better. Chris Middleton looked better. Lopez looked better. Bobby Portis looked better. Drew Holiday. But let's not get caught off guard. It was not the whole playoffs. It was just a few games. And any team, every team could be thrown off for a few, one or two games and then make readjustments. But let's talk about the role that the Bucks took from the first round versus the Heat into the NBA championship versus the versus the Phoenix Suns. And let, uh, you know, maybe, you know, I'm sorry. With the Phoenix Suns, I felt this way. And even with the Bucks, I felt this. I'm going to feel a certain way. And the cynic in me says that the Bucks had it easy. Now, some would say, well, how? How did the, the Milwaukee Bucks have it easy to the NBA championship? Well, let's think about it. Let's analyze who the uh, Miami Heat were the whole season. This was a team injured. This was a team at times looked like they had a hungover from the NBA championship of 2020. And they never really had, had the momentum that they needed. On top of all of that, they made a trade for Victor Aladipo because he wanted to be gone from Houston, so they traded Bradley and Harkless to Houston to get Victor Aladipo to help with scoring, to be an extra added guy, piece to the offense. And it never worked out. He didn't play in the playoffs, and he played very few games with Miami. The only good thing for Miami is they didn't really trade enough pieces away to say that they lost something. And, long story short, Victor Aladipo, ladies and gentlemen, only had one year left in this contract. So he's a free agent this year. And Miami Heat are off the hook. But they had an early exit. And they faced a team that wasn't playing great. Let's be realistic. Yet again a team advanced. Because a team either had an injured player. Or was not in sync. Playing to this standard. Because ladies and gentlemen. A healthy Victor Aladipo. And the Miami Heat of last year. Would have definitely beaten the Bucks. So another easy first round for the for a team that's representing its conference in the in the championship. Then the Bucks face the Nets. Now let's take a step back. What happened to the Nets, ladies and gentlemen? Were they all healthy and just the Bucks came up with a great defensive plan and played the uh the, the Brooklyn Nets the right way? No. What happened to the Nets? Kyrie Irving got hurt, missed majority of the series. Harden got hurt the first game, came back the last two, but let's be realistic. He wasn't himself. He did not look like Harden. 
So long story short, the Bucks beat a team that wasn't healthy. Yes, Durant played marvelous, and he had one great game where he played 48 minutes. But let's be realistic. In healthy Harden and a healthy Irving, mixed, mixed with Durant, Griffin, Harris, uh, Green, and others, would have swept the Bucks, in my opinion. Would have swept the Bucks. So again, another series with injured elite players, guys not playing playing up to the level because of it, up to the talent level because of an injury, and yet another easy series. Now we go to the final series. The winner tick goes to the NBA championship. Winner wins the con- the Eastern Conference, and they face the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlantic Hawks, ladies and gentlemen, was a Cinderella because no one expected them to go that deep into the playoffs. But no one also expected the Brooklyn Nets and others to play as poorly as they did. I mean, let's be realistic. The Hawks made the Eastern Conference Finals because Ben Simmons couldn't hit free throws. Let's just be realistic. Yes, Atlanta played great, but in at least two games, if Ben Simmons hit at least 60 to 70% of his free throws, we're talking about a different team right now. Um, probably in the in the NBA Finals, or at least who would have faced the Bucks. But Atlanta made it, and Atlanta looked good. And the game and the series between both of them looked pretty good until the end of the series, where Greek Freak did go down. Milwaukee did look good, but let's be realistic: a healthy Trey Young would have took advantage of the Hawks. Would have taken advantage of the Hawks if he played healthy and never got hurt. Some would say he's cursed like Steph Curry with the whole injuries to the foot thing. So yet again, a team faced an injured superstar and basically took advantage of it. You know, before, prior to the NBA playoffs, Mike Budenholzer, probably saying his name wrong, the coach of Milwaukee Bucks, was it was said or rumored out there that if he didn't take the Bucks far into the playoffs, that he was going to be fired. Well, he has taken them to the NBA Finals versus the Suns. So again, the Suns are also going into another series where a healthy player is technically not 100%. Game 1, Suns versus the Bucks. The Greek freak did not look bad. He played 33 minutes and he went 6 for 11 in the field, but wasn't even the first in terms of a guy who's getting paid over 25 and he only got 11 attempts. That, that doesn't make any sense that he was the fourth option in terms of scoring in game one. If Mike Budenholzer wants to wants to save his job, he needs to make an adjustment of where a Greek freak is used more frequently, especially that he was hitting a high number of his shots. Yes, his free throws weren't that great, but long story short, he was performing well. Game two is going to happen most likely tonight. We'll see who wins between the Bucks and the Suns. We'll see if the Bucks can make adjustments. If not, CP3 will be getting an easy championship in the NBA Finals. Now off to baseball. This past weekend, the baseball made its all-star selection. Like any other sport, those who were voted in are the starters and the reserves and the pitchers are selected by the coaches. And everybody says, who's the snubs? Who is the players who don't deserve it? Who doesn't deserve it, ladies and gentlemen? 
So I, you know, I didn't look at every player, but I looked at certain players because certain players I know were playing bad. But let me back it up, what I'm talking about. So the Tampa Bay Rays starting catcher, Mike Zanaro, is hitting 197, but is a, has great home runs for a catcher, and he has great RBI totals. So ladies and gentlemen, does a guy who's hitting 197 deserve to be in the All-Star game? How is that All-Star caliber? Eric Hasse from the Detroit Tigers has great numbers, home runs, and RBIs for a catcher. On top of that, he has a better average. On top of Mike Zanaro not being worthy in my eyes, he is 0-11. 0-11. He hasn't gotten one hit in July. And this is the guy who's going to represent the National League in the All-Star team. Next guy, and staying in the American League, the next guy I want to talk about is the Yankees' closer, Chapman, who has blown four saves in 20 attempts. A guy whose ERA is over 11 in the last 13 games. His ERA is over six at home. Three out of four of his blown saves are at home. Ian Kennedy, who's having a better season than Chapman as a closer, wasn't selected. In my opinion, Kennedy should have went. Is it the whole Texas factor? Is it because Chapman is a Yankee? And that's why Chapman was great prior to June, April, and May. Chapman looked great. If you say beginning of June, should Chapman be an all-star? You say yes. But when you say see what he has done in June and July so far, you'll say hell no. But Chapman is selected. We'll see if he shows the second half of the season that he's worthy of being an all-star. Or am I right and he shouldn't be selected? Now, the next player, player, and we're off to the National League, that got selected to be a reserve in the National League is Chris Tyler, or Taylor, whatever you want to call him, from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, one thing that a lot of people look at these analytics and whoever else want to look at is these is a term called wins above replacement. Now there's a player who's ranked fourth in the National League and he's not even the starter and he's not even a reserve. Who is this guy I'm talking about? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Manny Mercado. He's a third baseman for the Padres and he's not selected. He has better RBIs, and he has better home runs, and his win above replacement is better than Chris Tyler. Why is Chris Tyler there? Yet again, the Los Angeles Dodgers all like the Yankees of the West, so is it a Dodger thing? I don't know, but 10 home runs and 43 RBIs versus a guy who has more home runs and more RBIs and has a better win, wins above replacement just doesn't make sense. And let me talk about something that's not appreciated. Something that should be even selected into the All-Star game because I feel that what this position does is so important to helping teams win. Especially if the, if the position player accepts the role and embraces the role rather than fight it. But what is the role I'm talking about? Well, the role I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is the long reliever. Who is the long reliever? What do the long relievers do? Well, 
the spot start. And what I mean by spot start is a starting pitcher gets hurt prior uh, prior to a game during his warm-ups. So now they need a starter. Or you can't get a guy from the minor leagues to, to rush and be ready. So what do you, what's the next step? The next step is the guy who's been in your bullpen the whole time. Who can maybe go out there and pitch three to five innings and save the bullpen because that's what he's been doing majority of the season. What else does a, does a, does a, um, a long reliever do? Well, there's also the long reliever who comes in and when a starter only lasts three to four innings because he threw on too many pitches, because he's given up too many runs, a long reliever will come up, ladies and gentlemen, and depending on how many days in between that day and the last time he uh, pitched, he has an opportunity and chance to do two or three innings or even more to help the bullpen save its pieces for the next game. Nothing's worse than a team having a bullpen that's taxed. And by August and September, because they were used so frequently and so much that a team chances of making the playoffs is diminished, is stopped from happening. Why? Because the bullpen was tired. But yet again, ladies and gentlemen, the long reliever is, is it was a role on a team that's not embraced. And, and I get why. Because when you're a closer, as a pitcher, you get money. If you're a good setup man, you get good money. If you're a good starter, you get good money. Not the long reliever. It is not a valued pitcher on a team. Most teams don't even try to have a long reliever. And maybe it's just me. I just see that certain teams that had it. You know, one of the teams that won a lot of championships in the late 90s and early 2000s was the New York Yankees. Who did the New York Yankees have as a long reliever that came in spot starts and basically saved the bullpen for majority of the season? And that's a pitcher named Ramiro Mendoza who did that numerous times. He sometimes had five to ten games started, pitched about 40 to 60 games, but he pitched multiple innings and he saved the bullpen. You know, let's, let's be realistic. A team could have, depending on, can have him, and the guy, the starting pitcher did four, Mendoza would do three, and depending on Mariano, could do two. Because Mariano did, was, was actually notorious for doing two innings. I think more than most most closers. He was great at it. Great at it. You know, currently, right now, there's a pitcher out there who's who's great at it, but doesn't really embrace it. It seems like he still wants to be a starter. And that's the New York Mets, Seth Lugo. He wants to be a starter, but he could start. He's a great st spot starter, but he's not great in stretching it out and being a consistent starter, and he showed it last year. He can close, give you one inning. He could set up. Or he could be the guy who gives you two or three innings. That's why he should, he should be valued. Because not that many guys could do that. Not that many guys embrace that role. Many guys fight it. Many guys who were once a starter will fight that. And it's very hard for them to accept it. And sometimes it even hurts. Hurts them when they see other pitchers not doing well. And they feel that, man, I could do better than them. And I should be starting. So sometimes it messes with the mind. But long story short, multiple inning, uh, multi-innings reliever is important. A long reliever is important. And it's sad that they are not embraced. It's sad that they don't get paid well. And then it's sad that they're not valued. Valued. As important piece in the bullpen, important piece in the pitching staff. Now right now there's a pitcher in my New York Mets that Mets fans and Mets players want him to be 
an all-star. Now, he has the ERA, ladies and gentlemen. He has decent wins. But the question of the day, what else does he have that is he doing great that's compared to the other starters during the season? Well, he's not top 10 in innings started. He's not going to even have over 180 innings this season if he doesn't get hurt and continues pitching. Isn't that crazy? And you're supposed to give him there's certain intangibles. And those intangibles is always ERAs, always wins, it's always strikeouts. But when you don't have one of these, those, those intangibles, sometimes you shouldn't make it. And I don't think, even though Tyron Walker is having a great year, his inning total is not great. Again, his win above replacement is not great. It's not among the top 15. That's just me. Some Mets fans are going to be angry at me. But the truth is, he doesn't have the inning totals, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't have the strikeouts. But he is having a great year. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I'm one of those guys... I've talked a couple of times. I look at splits, and splits would tell you how a guy does during the day games, during the night games, during the away, uh, home versus lefties versus righties, this, that, and never gives you all these extra details about how a guy performs in certain situations. This week, I'm going to talk about teams. So one of, the other day I was looking at, I was trying to look at, at, at today, at how many games did the Mets do doubleheaders? How many doubleheaders did the Mets have and how many games they have? Because, ladies and gentlemen, today, even today, the New York Mets are rained out, I think, for the 11th time this year so far. 11 times. It's crazy. Today's game is delayed. Again, they were already delayed, had a rain delay earlier this, or earlier this week. And now, Saturday, right before the All-Star break, they have to do an have to do another doubleheader. Tomorrow, it's going to rain in New York. There's another chance that Saturday and Sunday is a doubleheader. But let's talk about something else that I thought was interesting. So, the best team, the best record in extra innings, ladies and gentlemen, is the Seattle Mariners. This is a team that I didn't expect to do well this season. They're over 500. And I didn't expect them to do well. I actually criticized them. Thought that they had some good pieces, but didn't really think that they had enough to be 500 or competitive. But they have proven me wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, in 10 games in where they were playing in, in extra innings, the Seattle Mariners are 9-1. and one. But if the season ended today, they wouldn't make the playoffs. They're not even a wild card team. They are one of those teams that need to add pieces in order to be more competitive in the wild card race if they wanted to be. And one of the teams that has one of the best records in the National League is actually one of the worst teams in extra innings. Who's that team? The Los Angeles Dodgers are 1-7 in extra innings. But they will be in the wild card race and they will play that one playoff game against the Padres. So it's interesting. A team with a great record is horrible with extra innings. A team that's playing okay and not in the playoffs has the best record. Go figure. But but I dug in deeper. All the way in this whole category of how teams did in extra innings, one-run games against lefties, against righties, etc. and so forth, was a column that said expected win and loss. I thought that was crazy. What the and what it basically says what they were expected to do at this time after 83 games. And what the actual record was. 
Again, Seattle Mariners popped up yet again. Because currently right now, in terms of what they're supposed to have a record, in terms of what ESPN is saying, what these analytics guys are saying, the Seattle Mariners are supposed to be an under 500 team, but yet the eight, they're exceeding their win-loss record by eight games. Eight games, ladies and gentlemen. You know, this is a team that you got to keep a look, keep an eye on. There's always these teams every so often that slowly but surely start building up. But we don't see it and don't acknowledge and don't remember it and don't really know it unless they play in another division or we see it on TV or et cetera and so forth. Watch out for Seattle. If the young players continue to develop and they, and they, and they invest the money in the right places, Seattle would, would take over to this division or at least be in the wild card place, uh, wild card race sooner than later. But let's talk about another team. The team that didn't meet expectation is actually below expectation, if that makes any sense. So the team that's not meeting expectation, that's not even close to where they expected, erected, is the Miami Marlins. Supposedly, ladies and gentlemen, they're supposed to be in first place in seven games above 500 right now in the LA East. Instead, they're in last place in nine games under 500. Interesting. And I talked about them last week where they traded Corey Dickinson and Zimbar to Toronto, a sign that they maybe tr start trading some of the players between now and July 31st. And they do that every year after last year being over 500. We'll see what they could do. We'll see if they continue making trades. But as of right now, then they're playing below average and they're not meeting expectation of what multiple multiple teams thought they were going to be. Off to hockey. Congrats is in store for the new NHL champions. And actually, they are two-time champions. Not just two-time champions. They have won two consecutive champions. And who's that team, ladies and gentlemen? The Tampa Bay Lightning. They've won the second consecutive NHL Stanley Cup championship. Congrats to you guys. Didn't watch the series, but congrats is in store. So last week, ladies and gentlemen, talking about another subject, another sport, I really don't watch, but I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying. I talked about Messi and soccer and what Messi's contract was and how much he made and how crazy it is. And please teach me why this sport is interesting, why it's important, etc. and so forth. So Euro is having a championship. And the two teams that faced each other on Tuesday was Italy and Spain. The game was decided on penalty kicks where Italy had won. And I watched this last kick, the game deciding uh, kick. And when you watch the kick between the guy who's kicking the ball and the goalie, I saw no effort. I saw an easy goal. I saw... The guy who's kicking the ball, passing, whatever you want to say that he's doing, not doesn't even look, in my opinion, didn't look like he was running, doing something at 110%. And the goalie, on top of that, looked like, oh, you could have it. Rather than trying diving, doing something extra to make it seem that he was making effort to stop the ball from scoring and helping his team win, didn't do it. And it's crazy for a guy like me who's not into soccer. When I see that, it doesn't make me want to watch a game again. 
I want to get used to this sport because, ladies and gentlemen, there are millions, even billions of people who watch soccer, a.k.a. football, more than baseball, more than hockey, more than NFL, more than basketball. But I'm not a part of that crowd. I want to understand. I don't understand. I just want to say I'm trying, but after seeing that penalty kick, it makes it very hard. Now, another subject I want to talk about where everybody knows so far is Shakari Richardson, a track and field star who just at 21 years old just like beat some crazy record where after he she beat the record, she ran into the stands to hug her grandmother, was caught doing weed. And by her doing weed, she could not be in the Olympics. Isn't that crazy? Weed. If you know what weed is, weed is a medicine. Weed is the, also the same, uh, uh, the same as it's a medicine, but it's also something that people abuse. And by abusing it, it also makes it look bad. But, long story short, if we can be okay with men and women doing, drinking so much alcohol and being drunk and doing something crazy in the result of that, then we could be okay with weed. Because not every weed person is cheek and chong. Not every weed person is is uh, on a couch or doing something crazy. They're actually productive. People do it for, for anxiety. I saw a video where a guy did weed. He had Parkinson's disease. He took one little drop liquid of medical marijuana on his cheek and he stopped shaking, ladies and gentlemen. He stopped shaking. It is crazy, ladies and gentlemen. It has been proven, it has been tested that weed can help people. I say let her race. But they won't. The only thing that's good right now is that she's 21 years old, but she's losing an experience of a lifetime. So, Shakari Richardson has numerous stars in her favor. She has someone in me saying, let her race. Weed is not that bad. Yet again, ladies and gentlemen, another week, another crazy thing that Mr. Stephen A. Smith has said has got my attention. Now, what did Stephen A. Smith say to get my attention? Well, he said, my New York Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones, will be the worst quarterback in the NFC East. And I took a step back and I said, but Jalen Hurts hasn't even, hasn't even played one full season. In four games that he started, the Eagles went one in three. So that's not over 500. On top of that, he had seven turnovers. He had about four interceptions. He had nine fumbles, three for loss. So he was really only had seven turnovers. And he's better than, than he's already automatically better than Daniel Jones. You know, one of the reasons why I'm giving Daniel Jones a pass, ladies and gentlemen, is because of the pandemic. Last season, last year in the 2020, 2020, what normally goes into preparation for any season didn't go into the preparation of the 2020 season. And what is that? Between February and August, this mini camps, this rookie mini camps, you learn playbooks, you have meetings, you're in person, you do a lot of things in person to prepare for the season. And last year, because of COVID, they didn't have that. 
at the most they had about three three or four weeks to learn a new playbook in practice because looking at a playbook and practicing practicing it is two different things because you not just have to know where the guy is supposed to line up it's also also knowing how the real fuel feels it's like basically learning the playbook is the easy part but transferring what you learn on the on the playbook into the field is much different because when you're learning it without practicing it you're not feeling the pressure of the defensive players you're not and you're when you're doing it on your own your wide receivers tight ends fullback uh and everybody else is elite and they're all hitting their spots in terms of where they're supposed to be in the offense and last year daniel jones couldn't learn jason garrett's uh didn't have numerous practice learning jason garrett's um offense new offense because he had a new offensive coordinator so i gave him a pass his, his touchdown ratio was com- way down but his turnovers also decrease from the previous season i think he will improve with the guys who the, the who the new york giants have added with galladay with turney with uh carl rudolph with a healthy barkley and others i think he will improve fitzpatrick it's a guy who goes up and down. He's on an, with another team at 37, 38 years old. Prescott is coming from a devastating injury. We don't know what he's going to do yet. And yet Daniel Jones is the worst. I would love, I would love to be able to bet money that Daniel Jones is not the worst. Who is he better than in, in, the, in the NFC East? I, I don't know yet. But I do think he's better. Than guys like Jalen Hurts, I do think he will be better this this year. And teams are gonna and and uh, and New York Giant fans are gonna make Stephen A. Smith hear it weekly. Weekly, if Daniel Jones has one game better than one quarterback, team fans are gonna let Stephen A. Smith hear it. And the end of the season. If he has a better throwing percentage, listen, ladies and gentlemen, Jalen Hurts threw less than 53% of his throws last year. Less than 53%, and yet he's better. Wow. Anyway, Stephen A. Smith, just keep it brain it because you just keep on making this uh my episodes last longer with your crazy, crazy um comments. Ladies and gentlemen, if you watch football uh wrestling. 25 years ago, ladies and gentlemen, 25 years ago, the NWO started in WCW. The Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, came back to WCW after they had their brief stint in WWE and came in and started a ruckus, started a new group called the NWO, but they needed one piece. They needed one guy. They needed someone who could bring it all together and change the atmosphere of wrestling. Who was that guy? Well, if you weren't alive in 1996 and watching this, and if you weren't a wrestling fan back then, that guy is Hulk Hogan. The guy who told you to eat your vitamins and and be a straightforward guy and a baby face said, no, I don't want to be that. He grew out his beard, made it black while his mustache was still white. He would win a championship, invite NWO on the championship. On top of that, whenever they beat down a guy, they sprayed paint NWO on them. They got the fans so crazy that fans were throwing garbage and drinks at them. 
Now, personally, NWO became boring, in my opinion, because they just had too many, too many guys. And actually looking at it now, as much as it is getting a reaction out of me, I would never, never like any man or any woman spray painting anything on my back. So I saw that highly offensive. But, you know, for, for this time, for the sake be it, they did wonders and they did great things for wrestling. But they didn't do enough to keep WCW from losing ratings and basically closing down and losing to WWE. I'll tell you another story. I had an NWO t-shirt and I also at and I was in school, me and my friend Jonathan Scott did did something together. We loved wrestling. We loved who who they was. So we were told to make a flag. So what did we do? We did a flag that said NWO. And then on top of that, we would write down the names of the wrestlers that were members of the of NWO. And then the thing that got crazy with that flag, that cloth that we had, that we eventually like probably threw away, was that the black marker was starting to look red. And what do I mean by that, the red and black? Well, there was even a time when the, there was two NWOs. There was the Wolfpack, where they were the red NWO, and it was the regular one that started. So it was kind of like I had the Wolfpack flag after having a, a few months to a couple years. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is my episode. This is the Truth and Reality Podcast. I am Anthony Roman, reporting in the middle of nowhere. Have a great day and even better night. Bye-bye, ladies and gentlemen.